0: Brian Rogan, you're an Irish Jesuit, the author of many books, including your most recent on Pedro Arupi, the former father general of the Jesuits, who's had an impact on your life, I know, and on many other people's lives, particularly many Jesuits. We want to talk about your book, but we're talking today because you actually have won an award for it. It was published by both Messenger Press and Loyola Press. Mm -hmm. And the Independent Press Awards, you are the award winner for biography in general. So that's, that's mm-hmm. a wonderful achievement. And I want to congratulate
1: you on that. Well, thank you very much. Um, um, I sometimes, and, well, what I thought the other day when it came was that maybe this is Pedro Rupe's first miracle, <laughs> that this should happen, because uh, I wrote it at the request of Loyola Press in view of the run up towards the beatification of Pedro Arupe if that occurs. So to find it being accepted well is an encouragement. What he what the editor wanted was what he called a one stop Pedro Arupe. In other words, that everything that one needed to know on a basic level would be in the book and that it would be readable, and it would be interesting, and all the rest of it. So there we are.
0: Well, congratulations. And I want to talk to you now about this book. To go through it with you, first of all, for the listener who doesn't know much about Pedro Rupe, a general outline of this man, who he was, and his life.
1: So he lived through the 20th century. He was There are three phases in his life, really. They reach about 20 Five or more years. The first is his um, starting off in Bilbao, joining the Jesuits, volunteering for Japan. And the second phase is when he gets to Japan, and then the atom bomb strikes, etc., etc. And he stays on there till 1965. And there's a general gathering of the Jesuits in 65. So a bit like Pope Francis when he was Bergoglio, he orders a one-way ticket and finds that he's going to stay in Rome, more or less, for the rest of his life. And so he lived from 1907 to 1991. And so he lived through the period leading up to Vatican II and World War Two, World War I before that, but he was small then. And so he was responsible, really, once he became general of the Jesuits, for bringing them up to date One thing he used to say was, we can't stay stuck in the concrete, inferring that we were in the concrete and we needed to to move on. And what he wanted was simply that the order would be led by God. When people were worried about the Jesuits and annoyed with them and frustrated with them after Vatican II, and people would say, you know, where's the society of Jesus going? He would say, well, I don't know, but God is leading us. And that wasn't just a throwaway phrase, it was the way he lived. So there were 36,000 Jesuits in 1965, and his task was to bring them all forward in the spirit of Vatican II. Unfortunately, um, people differed in their view of the Vatican II uh, spirit So if you liked it, you said that's the spirit of Vatican II. If you didn't, you say that's betraying the spirit of Vatican II. So quite a difficult and tense life in his relationships uh, with the Vatican. He got a stroke in 1981 and he was incapacitated totally for the next 10 years until he died.
0: That's a great summary. Let's unpack that now. You mentioned his going to Japan and that's when the bombs exploded at Hiroshima and Nagasaki. Now, that had a massive impact on him. So would you explain that to us?
1: I suppose one thing it reveals is his openness to reality. He wakes up one morning at 8.15 and discovers that the town or the city below him has just burst into flames. Everyone is dying and people didn't know what had happened. And he could have said, well, I'm involved in teaching Japanese novices how to pray or something like that. He decides he must respond. And that's been a characteristic of his life all the way through. And so in 1980, he sees the boat people of Vietnam in dreadful trouble and he says he had a phrase called how to do his english wasn't great (laughs) and he really meant what to do and he started the jesuit refugee service which is now worldwide wherever there are refugees and it was a response to the way ignatius asks retreatants to put themselves before the crucifix and ask the lord well what do you want me to do So anyway, the bomb exploded and he said, we're going into the city. And the warning was, don't go near the city because they knew that something awful had happened, but they didn't know even the word radiation at that stage. So he gathered up people who were still alive and burned some of them in dreadful condition. Others had been drowned by seeking refuge in the local river and they were doing fine until the tide came in and drowned them all. So he and his novices set up their house as a little field hospital, as Pope Francis would call it, and he operated from his desktop with a very small amount of medication and drugs and whatnot. He could do this because he had trained to be a doctor and he was doing very, very well at that until something else came in which made him shift from being a doctor to joining the Jesuits. And that that was connected with his trip to Lourdes in 1926, um, when he was about 20 years old. And because of his medical training, he was allowed in to look at the process for the verification of miracles. And this was totally new to him. And lo and behold, he saw three situations in which miracles appeared to have occurred, and I delineate them in the book. And this made him feel that God was tugging at him in a way that he didn't quite understand or he didn't know what to do. But then it emerged for him that he should dedicate his life to the service of the world in whatever way he could. And the way he found to do that was to join the Jesuits in 1926.
0: What was his attraction to the Jesuits? I mean, there was a lot of things he could have done there you know as a call and a vocation. Why the Jesuits?
1: Well he was born and brought up in Bilbao in a very comfortable family and they were very Catholic and so he um, studied with different religious teachers and then he came across the Jesuits and somehow whatever they were talking about then meant that they weren't stuck in the concrete in that sense. And they made him feel that somehow he might belong there or that they could use him because he knew that, at least theoretically, we were available to serve in the world wherever the greatest need might emerge. And that's how it went. The Jesuits were well known in Spain at that time, so well known that they all got thrown out five years later. And so he knew what being dispossessed or becoming a refugee was, and he landed up in Europe. So Why
0: were the Jesuits thrown out? Tell me that in Spain. And what year was that? It was, that that was 1931,
1: under which wasn't far short of the Spanish Civil War and the feeling that the church was overextending itself and poking its nose into affairs that were the, properly the affairs of the state. Um, So the church wielded enormous power and a lot of people were opposed to that. And um, it wasn't the first time the Jesuits had been thrown out for being um, involved in politics, etc. But we went simply because the church in general was in trouble and that's how that occurred.
0: So back to Japan, he set up the field hospital and obviously must have been a dreadful thing to witness and to have Hmm. to work through. What impact then did that have on him?
1: Yes, he he speaks about it um, as a a moment when history stood still, 8.15 in the morning, and apparently one can still find the various timepieces used in Nagasaki at the time. They all stopped because their workings melted, so they all stopped at 815 and for him, it was a symbolic thing about, we can do this to the world, we can make it stop. And he, he was so then dedicated to doing what he could to further the cause of peace in the world, so that this kind of thing would never happen again. Of course, it happened again a week later in Nagasaki, and it bit into his heart and made him realize what dreadful things human beings can do to one another, and that he just found himself totally committed to the well-being of the world. But it also had a very spiritual dimension to it, that he experienced the mystery of God, and the mystery of God calling people to work in order to build a better world. He loved Japan, he loved the Japanese people, And he stayed on there for another 20 years working there and would have stayed the rest of his life if he hadn't been elected general of the Jesuits in 1965. So it was one of these shattering moments or what they speak about now as a cannonball moment uh, referring to what happened to Ignatius of Loyola in 1521 when his leg was shattered by a cannonball and all his bright ideas came falling down around him.